welcome to another episode of Paranormal, The New Normal. I'm your host, Jeremy, as always, trying to make this world seem a little more normal. Are we going to accomplish that today? Maybe, 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 I don't know. <laughs> we never seem to accomplish that in this show, but we're going to try. But of course, I have a guest to help me do that. And my guest today is Jessica Carells, the Mystic Geek, also host of the podcast, Spiritual AF Sundays. <laughs> and I'm Spiritual as fuck Sundays, I'll say it. It's yeah, just show. say it here, might as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> my show's uncensored anyway, so. But welcome, Jessica. How are you doing today? I am doing great, Jeremy. How about you? Eh, doing okay. My dog's my dog took me down today, but when you have a hundred pound mastiff, that tends to happen. <laughs> yeah. She wants she wanted to chase the chickens. Hey, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Tell it to my now covered in mud pants and shirt. But yeah. <laughs> okay, that part's not as fun. No, it's not. Oh my god, it's so not. But I get the podcast and that makes everything okay again. So First things first, the same question as my listeners know that I ask everybody on this show, what got you into the paranormal? Uh, what got me into the paranormal? I was either a very sensitive young child or very creative or por que no los dos at that point. Um, I, when I was really young, I had an experience where I could tell people's emotions, specifically my mom's. And there were some things that happened. And um, because of that, I saved my mom's life. I knew that she was heading in a dark place. And I let my dad know. As an eight-year-old, I didn't know like conceptually what was going on in her head, other than that she needed to be watched, looked over or watched over. And I remember waking up that evening to the ambulance and paramedics knocking trying to knock open the master bedroom door at that so that was my first experience with the paranormal um i had vivid dreams where i was seeing things from the future a lot of it symbolic or spirits talking to me um that's all well and good but i was a Jehovah witness back then so that was oh. a hard time for me as an eight-year-old i really didn't have outlets for it it wasn't until i went to college and was able to a be on my own and b catholicism has a lot of mystic stuff if you know where to look so those two things combined um led me to go and veer away from first jehovah's witness then various denominations of christianity into finally going and looking into uh witchcraft and wicca and going that angle with examining the paranormal wow well I hope that everything turned out okay with your mom. Oh, my mom's good. She's healthy. She's <laughs> She is doing very good now. It was at that point in time, there was a lot of struggles going on. And in the, the early, the mid-80s, mental health was not something that people talked about. Oh, God, no. It definitely wasn't. I mean, it was a rough time for mental health until the last 10 years, I'd say. And even now, it's still got a long way to go. But. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad everything worked out, and I'm glad that you were able to help save the day in a way. Yeah, even though I didn't quite understand as an eight-year-old oh. girl at that point. But, yeah, it's I, it was still – it opened my eyes that there was much more than what we see in the here and now. 
I mean, at eight years old, I don't think any of us would ever react to that the way we're, we would never be trained to react to that unless you come from a home that no kids should come home from. Mm-hmm. from. So it's just a scary thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm happy you found your path and that you f- found the right way to live your life. But let me ask you this. I mean, you kind of already glossed on a little bit, but what ex- have you had any experiences with spirits, ghosts, aliens, cryptids? Take your pick, anything in the paranormal field. Got it. Um, I'm also a psychic medium. That was something that I've learned along the way. So I do have interactions with ghosts, that, like the spirits of those who are dead, as well as land spirits, uh, and then spirits of place as well. I have connections with those. Land spirits. Care to? Yeah. Kinda, what okay. do you mean by that? <laughs> so this is coming from an animist point of view. So animism is a folk belief across many different cultures that everything has a spirit to it. Oh, yeah. Like Native American beliefs, kind of. Native Americans, but it's not just Native Americans. A lot of other cultures have it as well. To, that believe that every that all the objects locations they all have a life force or a living spirit that's attached to them so being able to honor the spirits of the land honor like a building can have a spirit attached to it or a sense of its own self especially like newer developments not so much but it, like a house that's been around for a century or longer definitely has its own feel and almost has a sentience to it that you're able to tune into interesting and yeah i kind of can go along with that i mean i believe that's a possibility because i mean you can go you can see a tree in the middle of the wood and you just get a feeling like there's something off about that tree like you get a creepy mm-hmm. feeling near it or i mean you even my, i mean my house forgets a creepy feeling and it's only 60 years old around mm-hmm. there so i mean it's i mean I, I get that it makes sense and a lot of what happens in areas resonates into the th- into items, whether it be a tree, a plant, or a house, building, whatever you want to call it. That makes mm-hmm. sense. I mean, it really yeah. does. And the Native Americans, and a, as well as a lot of other cultures, believe it is what too. And the Native Americans smart, were always intelligent people, so I tend to believe what they believe. Mm-hmm. Especially since I'm, I live in Massachusetts, so I kind of have to go along with what Native Americans believe if I want to be in the paranormal field. But Got it. So, oof. so any particular experiences that really left you with goosebumps down your back or that had you running back like Scooby-Doo away from the ghost? <laughs> um, I would have to say something. It happened in the early 2000s. So before I really got into it, I was in college. I was still in that dabbling phase. And I went to a Christmas party with my boyfriend at the time, now my husband. And I remember... I was having a, a decent time at that point, and my husband was just like, something's off. He doesn't really believe a lot of this. He just has very gut senses to it, and he was very insistent on we should go home. At that point, I'm like, no, I'm having a great time. You can go home. I'll get a ride later. Within a half, but not even a half hour, I would say within 15 minutes of him leaving, I was starting to notice like... Body-wise, I was getting like ice cold and feeling nauseous and dizzy and hearing things. And so I was having a lot of that when he wasn't around. And at that point in time, I'm like, I went to my closest friends. I'm like, I need to go home. I'm not quite sure what's going on. 
and I was sick for two days afterwards. And it wasn't until later when I spoke to some of my more spiritually sensitive friends who were at the party that they mentioned that they did see spirit, like something was there. Um, they weren't aware that it had went after me, but that was something we figured out after the fact. So that I would say that was like the biggest thing there that falls into the paranormal. A lot of other stuff that I experienced, um, actually, no, with my mediumship work that I do for people, um, I get wowed almost all the time when I'll try to tune into someone and I'll get like a scent or I'll get a memory or not even like a memory itself, just a general concept. And I share that what I am sensing with the other person, the client. And many times I've had people break down crying because it what what felt like it was vague to me they knew exactly what was being referenced and that was the spirit trying to communicate to them through that symbol whether it was a smell whether it was a sound or whatnot i've had it where like the sound of rain i think okay this is weird but okay and it turns out the person in question died in a car accident in a in during a storm so Things like that, um, whenever I, I do uh, mediumship services, they wow and freak me out as much as they freak out my clients. I can imagine. I, can, I mean, I can only imagine. I wish I had the ability, but I just simply don't. But yeah. which do you think that, because I've heard this from a lot of mediums, that they think everybody has the ability that people just don't unlock it. Like some people are born with it unlocked, but a lot of people, have, everybody else has to unlock it eventually. Do you think that's a possibility? I think it's very much a possibility. Uh, one of the people I follow on social media, who is a, a writer, Matt Aron, he wrote a book called Psychic Witch, which goes into the whole, like how it goes into like psychic development. And one of the things that he calls out is that children, their brain waves are open to all sorts of psychic experience from young childhood onward. Isn't it isn't until like age seven or age eight when people are starting to when children are starting to be conditioned to take part in quote unquote normal society that they start learning to shut that off. And then some people who live in households that accept it, they encourage the, the child as they're growing up to maintain that same, maintain that state of mind. Others who aren't as lucky, they have to learn how to turn it back on again. Makes makes sense. I mean, when your child has that invisible friend that they talk to and yeah, a lot of parents say after a while, just you're getting too over this, stop that ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. And But other parents who are a little wiser are like, mm, keep talking to your friend. Maybe you'll yeah. learn some things. And Hopefully it's not a evil friend who's going to do some bad things to this house, like conjuring style, but hopefully. Yeah. A lot of the times when someone says that they're like a fifth generation psychic or a multi-generation witch, all that really means is they were never told at a young age to turn that ability off. So they've had that, the ability to tap into their psychicness or to do energy work. And they, they've been encouraged to nurture it throughout their entire lives Versus some of us who basically had to put it away and then had to find a way of getting it back out again. Yeah, see, I, once again, I am cursed because I got to grow up in a house that was built 
when I was two years old, and I had it had no bad land or anything. Mm-hmm. So I I I didn't have any imaginary friends when I was a kid because I didn't have any spirits in the house to talk to. But uh, regrets later in life. But then again, I hear some of the stories I hear. I kind of am happy about that. But I don't mm-hmm. know. It's a mixed bag. I think you get what you get. Which yeah. Which have you ever had an encounter with uh, evil or demonic? spirit for lack of a better word uh i actually did it was a brief encounter so there are some branches of christianity that do believe into in the uh the supernatural they're called like the charismatic branches like pentecostalism um or sometimes they'll just label themselves as part of the charismatic movement where they they believe any spirit that's not angelic tends to be evil so they kind of like put a blanket everything on there um but in this case, it was actually had a very strong, dark sense to it. Um, I was going, yeah, it sounds weird to say you're going ghost hunting with a bunch of charismatic Christians, but I was basically what I was doing on a college campus um, one time. And they were asking, like, okay, everyone, like, spread out, see what you can sense. And this is going purely based on, like, gut feel. We didn't have any tools or anything else like that beyond our own natural gifts and i could i kept like going towards a certain area i'm like there's something here that doesn't feel right and they looked and they found this very specific object once they got that object out of the area everyone around could sense that like almost this huge weight had lifted that things had gotten a lot better hmm what was the object if you don't mind me asking uh it was a blanket someone had brought back from a mission trip which mission trips being about okay we're gonna go into an impoverished area and um evangelize and everything else and basically colonize in that area and the thing they brought back had spirits attached to them that were not quite happy that they had been there in the first place ah interesting i always find it interesting when non-angelic spirits um are like when they like to mess with like missionary groups or just religious people in general like i always find it interesting because it kind of makes sense like that they get what religion is almost mm-hmm. which i mean i don't know some people like to say spirits are intelligence people like to say that spirits are just kind of aimlessly wandering around where they wander but i like to think they're more intelligent especially the mm-hmm. two of my house the two in my house definitely are intelligent to some degree i mean they're newer spirits though so i don't think they're like fully adapted to what they can do yet basically they just float around my garage and you could zoom in on their orbs on the camera and see faces creepy faces, faces. <laughs> i just showed my wife that trick last night and she was like oh my god i'm like i know right i'm like I'm, someone on my show told me to zoom in on it i'm like oh my god <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so creepy but wow I got to post that video too. I posted the first one on my TikTok. I got to post the new one. But all right. Well, the main topic we're here to talk about tonight, which I am so excited for because I get to have someone talk about this on my show. And it's, I've been looking forward to this for a while. So we're here to talk about witchcraft more than anything because I never had anyone who was a witch or Wiccan or wizard or any, any of the names you want to give them on my show. So what, by your definition, is witchcraft? Because I know it's gotten a lot of different terms over the years. There's 
it's a lot of terms that kind of become this Venn diagram that almost turns into like a giant mushed up pile of Play-Doh if you really start going into it. So witchcraft is, I would say, like the art and science, the technical side of something. Whereas if we look at belief systems or religions, um, there's this big umbrella called paganism, which ha which covers a lot of earth-based religions or religions that fall outside of Judeo-Christian, Hinduism, like the main, the mainline ones. And a lot of the times with these, with paganism, especially if you look at, like, for instance, the United States, it's more these are reconstruction, reconstructionist or re-imaging, uh, reimagining of belief systems and practices and faiths that were in Europe in older times. And again, a lot of it, some people claim they have lineage all the way back then, but a lot of this is more people taking what they've seen or what they've had research and trying to build it in the here and now. Um, Wicca falls into that. Wicca is actually was done, I think it is the 1900s, early to mid 1900s was when uh, Gerald Gardner from the Great Britain area, he came up with a lot of these belief systems. He compiled stuff from um, Irish tradition and from other traditions in Western Europe. And he published that or created, turned that into the religion known as Wicca. So that's where we come up with Gardnerian Wicca. Um, that, or that's one of the big branches. There's others who have gone through and built similar styles. So they're considered to be traditions within Wicca. Um, but Wicca in itself is a belief system when it comes to deity, when it comes to ethics, when it comes to the use of various gifts or abilities. All right. Kind of makes sense. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I, there are plenty of those out there. I see, I see them all the time on Instagram, Facebook, where they try to boast about that. It's in their, it's in their blood. And I'm like, so you went to Ancestry.com and you just found out you're from a certain part of Europe and now you're trying to use that? <laughs> but, I mean, I I do know I do know people who are, consider themselves witches or Wiccans and like, I'm, I'm friends with them. Like, they don't, mm -hmm. like, none of that stuff bothers me. It never did. I actually looked into it a little bit in high school because I wanted to be the goth kid that was into that stuff. But, but I never took myself seriously and never really got far with it. But eh, I just... I'm not, I'm not an empath like that or anything like that. I just can't, mm -hmm. I never, that, that door hasn't opened yet, but, but I, as someone who lives in Massachusetts has been, has been to Salem multiple times and mm -hmm. is really into the history of it. I do love the history of witchcraft and it's, I mean, we actually did an episode on, on um, my other show, Global Strangeness, but it's sad. I mean, the history of how these people have been treated throughout the last few centuries is horrible. I mean, yeah. the, perse the persecution and all that, but. And a lot of times when it comes to witchcraft, when they had the, the initial trials, a lot of the times what happened is that they would target um, people who are on the outskirts of society or those who were uh, medicine women in their villages, those who knew how to use various plants in order to help other people. And because they didn't understand, well, how do these work? It's witchcraft. Um, and then also there would be the situation where if there's people who are single and or unmarried and they have land and they have no heirs, 
getting rid of them would be a way to have a land grab. So they have that. Um, the, the history of Salem. So by the way, if anyone says there were witches burned in Salem, there are no witches burned in Salem. That's a big misconception. It's going to clarify it. But there's various theories as to what happened with that. Um, one is that Salem was a bunch of teenage girls who decided to dabble with things. They got caught, and the way that they saved themselves was to accuse everyone else of witchcraft. Uh, another story that I heard was that there was uh, mold in the grain, ergot, and that could cause hallucinogen, uh, hallucinations. And it was because of the hallucinations people were accusing one of another of witchcraft. Um, do I believe that the people who were uh, tried and executed in Salem were witches? They might have been, but in all, but they could have also just been innocent people who are caught in the crossfire of a whole bunch of drama that was going on at that point in time. Yeah, and I, a lot of it, I mean, well, one of my favorite sources for this history of Salem is Unobscured by Aaron Mankey. The first season he did was all about Salem and the witch trials and everything, and he did a very good job with his research. So I kind of lean on him for a lot of the stuff I know about Salem in detail. But, I mean, Cotton Mathers is the main person to blame for all this because he wanted to stay in power and he wanted to make himself look like he was important. So he just mm -hmm. went with these charges of witchcraft against, I mean, yeah. I I can, I can never pronounce her name, but the basically indentured servant who took care of the main family in, in Salem Tabitua? Yes, yes. I, I think that I, I'm pretty sure I, I butchered it too, but that's what I remembered. It would look like at least phonetically. Yeah, yeah. I can never figure out how to say it right, but she was blamed for most of it, and she was corrupting the children by teaching them like all this stuff that's considered witchcraft. It's just, mm -hmm. but yeah, witches actually weren't burned in Salem. They were either hanged or they were just. A lot of them died. A couple of them died in prison. I know that just from the horrible conditions of the Salem prison. Mm -hmm. But it's just it's horrible. I mean, it's horrible. But Salem also isn't the worst of it. Europe Europeans had it far worse, and they were accused of being witches. That's where they were burned. Mm -hmm. Was in uh, Germany, Europe, and uh, England, of course, too. Gotta love it. But it's just horrible, and and there are different branches of witchcraft, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, um, they're they're called traditions, and usually what happens is um, someone who goes through studies under one of the branches or one of the traditions, after a certain point, they have the ability to what we call hive off. So basically go take their knowledge and then start a new tradition, or sometimes people will go and just spontaneously say, hey, here's my belief systems, I'm going to tack Wicca onto it. Um, but a lot of times when we hear Wicca, um, those of us who are in the know are like, okay, what is that person's history? What is that tradition's history? And how does it go back to um, either Gerald Gardner or Alex Sanders, who has started the Alexandrian branch of Wicca? So we they're they're kind of like denominations for Christians. They have different flavors of what they they the core of it is central, the belief of a central source energy, of a god and goddess, um, the, four, the use of the four elements, those sorts of things you'll see across the board. How they bring it about differs. The level of formality differs. Um, the different levels of elevation, because these are initiatory practices that have different degrees, 
that's going to be different as well. But this, the nuts and bolts are going to be the same. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, it kind of, well, I hate to do this comparison, but since I've been playing, <laughs> since I've been, since I've been playing Hogwarts Legacy for the last two weeks, I have, or last week, I have to, it's kind of like when you, when you take your owls and in the last two years of school, you get to choose which form of magic you want to go work with. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind so of like that. Kind of, I mean, but I hate to just throw it up a bone of JK Rowling on that one, but someone has to, <laughs> but I think the closest, um, uh, the closest analogy I found, it would be like the Christian denominations. It's the, cause theology background here, like they'll all have the central core belief on it, but the way that they practice it or the way they express it is different. Not necessarily owl. That's more once someone's a little bit further along the lines and they want to look at, what we consider to be our paths to power. So like divination, ritual, those sorts of things. You'll see those in different traditions. Like where do you focus your time and energy when it comes to the craft side of witchcraft? Yeah, which I mean, I've I've had, ter- my co-host of my music show is actually a tarot reader. And when he when he feels like it, he's not, he doesn't do it by, he doesn't practice it really like on a full-time basis, but mm-hmm. he has the ability to do it. And I've had, I've had tarot readers in here before. I've had, uh what, what's her name what's her name uh oh esther sunshine out of salem she's been on my show before and she's going to come back because she is in the she's on some i could talk to her about so many different topics of paranormal that's ridiculous but but she's a full-time practicing medium clairvoyant tarot reader everything in salem actually i've been to get back to salem since i had her on my show just to go talk to her but so let me ask you this do people because witches, there are still dark witches out there nowadays, right? Yeah. I mean, there's dark, there's people who are good and there's people who are bad across the board, regardless of belief. Of course. I mean, but I mean, do dark witches actually have like power to do evil things? Or is it just more like they hope and they pray that something bad's happened to somebody they're trying to curse? So across the board, one's ethos does not determine one's power level. That's there's a lot of things that come into it. A lot of it is either discipline or aligning like your, what you want to do with the universe, like make the right time of day, the right planets, those sorts of things. Um, however, one of the things that comes across a lot of the witchcraft traditions is the concept of rule of three. I should say that's more specific to Wicca than witchcraft in general. But in Wicca, there's the belief that what you put out into the world comes back to you threefold. And it can be real. Some people believe it's 100% truth in that. Others believe it's more of like a guideline or FYI that whatever actions you take are going to come back to you. So if they if there are people out there who are using their power to try and cause ill in the world it's going to come back to them one way or another it may not come back to them as like what we consider to be a a karmic blowback it could be simply be that internally they start to become darker they start to orient that way um, they start to become more negative and have be more critical of the world around them because of the hate or the anger or the malice that they've allowed to develop in their own hearts. Makes sense. I mean, I'm a big believer in karma and fate. I always have been. But 
I mean, and it's the old it's the old um, adage that people say, like, watch what you do because it's going to come back to bite you in the ass eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, that's what my mom my mom always told me that growing up, like, don't like whenever I would get mad at like a kid in the neighborhood or something and like wish something horrible upon them, she would say like, don't say that because it's going to come back at you if you try to. It may, it may, it may happen to them, but it's gonna come back worse to you, and I don't want to. Yeah. Deal with it. Which you know, <laughs> it's just. I mean, there's no. I mean, but there's no. I mean, a lot of people think dark witches. They think of like pop culture witches. Like yeah, witches. exactly. Which I mean, there's no witches out there that are gonna turn anybody, any little boy, into a mouse or anything like that. It's just, <laughs> I don't think that's. Oh yeah, I remember that book. <laughs> The Witches by Ron Paul. Yeah. Um, and then they actually just remade it a couple years ago. It's a very good movie. Yeah, I remember the movie too. It's like it was a sad but adorable ending on it. Oh, it's yeah, the ending's adorable. I mean, the witches in those movies, like they do a good job. They look yeah. so terrifying. <laughs> Scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. So how does how do the witches who have been in whose lineage actually goes back generations of doing this practice how do they take it now that in this in the last 20 years every female in college who wants to be different it says i'm wiccan or i'm a witch like how how does it make them feel is there a lot lot of like dispute between this or so i'm not going to speak for them since i'm not part of that group but i can speak for myself as someone who is Wiccan, who has been practicing witchcraft for 20 years. I think that the current generation coming up and identifying with witches, um, if they were to say they're Wiccan, that's different because that, again, Wicca is an initiatory practice. So um, if they're not initiated, they really shouldn't be calling themselves Wiccans. But witch, I feel it, it embraces a level of cultural defiance of saying, that what's going on in mainstream when it comes to like gender roles, expectation, that we should give up our power to whatever authorities are out there. Um, taking that and saying, no, I'm divine in and of myself and I'm reclaiming my power. I think that that is a beautiful thing. And and in addition to that, people are still in exploring. I mean, young people like as 40, of course, I'm going to call someone who's 27 a young person. Young people's brains don't fully mature until their late 20s. So, the year. so people are still figuring out who they are at that point in time. And it's like if they're a witch, they'll it's like you'll embrace it and you'll study it and you'll work on it. If you're if this is a phase, it goes away. I'm I don't really care either way. It's not it doesn't impact me one way or the other. Which, in my mind, that's a good attitude to have. Really, it is. I mean, it's like when I, it's like when I see like someone trying to start a podcast and and they're and they're asking like people in a podcast group on Facebook for advice, and it's just like there are some of these podcasts that have been around for years, and they just try to attack them and say like, "Oh, don't do it!" Like, and it's just like, why? None of us are getting rich doing it. It's not like they're going to be taking away our money doing it. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, there's. Sometimes you'll see that too, with more in like the general community rather than in a specific branch, where there's a lot of comparison that happens, and there's not a lot of room for what I call the newbie mistakes. Like if you have someone who's newer to witchcraft or newer to divination or working with spirits, 
And I've seen it on TikTok all the time of someone will go on TikTok and say, I've got this message from the divine that this, this, and this is going to happen. And someone needs to go to them and be like, oh, honey, you got messed with by a trickster spirit versus I see a lot of times people just slamming it or criticizing that person and they end up walking away jaded or sad or bruised. And that's not helpful either. Yeah. I mean, in any in any field in any world those community you shouldn't be bashing people that are trying to come into it unless they're coming into it for the wrong reasons that i can kind of agree with to a degree but i mean if you're if you meet someone who's a young 20 something year old and they're saying i'm gonna be a witch so i can curse my enemies and it's like yeah okay you don't you don't deserve to be a witch like no no i mean at that point i'd pull them aside and be like okay why do you want to curse them Usually at that point, it's like, well, I want to curse them because they hurt me. And I'm like, okay, well, why would cursing them, what would that do to you? And they're like, well, it would make me feel better. Why would it make me feel better? It's like, because then I'm seen or then I feel like there's justice. And it's like, okay, then the issue isn't necessarily needing to curse someone else. It's needing to work internally, either to resolve what led to them feeling hurt and wanting to respond back with cursing or whatever need of approval they want to have to, or that they're, they're trying to take care of that they feel will somehow be remedied by cursing the other person and hoping that that will cause that other person to see the error of their ways and come back begging. So I've been in that spot. I've seen and worked with other people who've gone through that and it's, it's learning the discipline so that to have it where, Magic is not something that you use simply because you use it because there's no other choice. Yeah, I mean it makes it makes sense. I mean, all the store all the stories of people like selling their soul to a devil or to a demon to try to get powers like that. That's where all that comes from. Is just the idea of people on their last resort that they're feeling so hurt that they need something to feel like they have power in the world, which mm-hmm. is just sad that people have to get to that point. I mean, I've been there. I can't say I ever went to a crossroads and dug and put the bones in and try to get summon anything, but I was always too chicken. I was always too chicken to do that. Thank God, because that could have led to some bad paths. But I mean, it's just I don't know. People just need to realize they need to seek help from friends, from professionals, from family. Find someone you trust. But yeah, it's just either write it out or find someone who you trust that you can talk to, just to simply work through whatever's hurting that's causing people to look for ways to seek power in order to end that hurt. Exactly. I mean, thankfully I always had good family, but other people are not always so lucky and they, a lot of them don't have the friends because of their family. So it just, mm-hmm. I like to always store a little ads for mental health in my shows when I can, when it relates, <laughs> it doesn't always relate. You can't really talk about Bigfoot and then talk about mental health. It just doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but this kind of does. So, let me ask this. Being well, just as a as a Wiccan, as a witch, how does that community feel about the way that things are going in the United States right now? So Wicca and witchcraft in those communities are very all-encompassing. So that's where it starts to get there's not really a one single voice. Heck, you have Democratic witches, you have Republican witches, you have leftist anarchist witches as well. So there's not really a unified voice one way or another. 
on those different things, especially when it comes to politics. Uh, the people that I hang with, um, a lot of us are more on the leftist to, or the liberal to leftist side of things. Um, not happy, very, we're very concerned when it comes to uh, the state of things. Um, I know for myself personally, uh, having Roe v. Wade overturned, mm -hmm. that puts a lot of people in a point of fear. The chances that someone's going to need an abortion is minimal. It's slim. I mean, there's a significant population, but the, a lot of the people who are, are upset or scared about it aren't going to be impacted, but they are very aware of the possibility and of how it's going to impact others, which is where a lot of the emotion comes from. Um, I think one of the things that's coming up is, and I've seen it in various forums, the return to using herbal medicine as a result. I'm not going to give the recipe or anything here, but I know that was one of the things that's coming up is certain plants can induce abortions. That being said, if you don't know the right combinations and if you don't know how to attune it to that sp specific person's physiology, it can fuck you up pretty bad. So yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. So I know that, that it's like being willing to open up to that. That's one of the things. Um, when it comes to witchcraft in American politics, um, I know hex Trump was a thing. That was a, a big thing. Uh, me personally, when we had uh, the, the wild nomination for Speaker of the House in Minnesota, that was also during a full moon right after a snowstorm behind me are three huge mason jars of water from that melted snow so using that for political witchcraft for um calling out for help it's like whenever shit hits the fan for american politics i have my stash here um and that's usually that's a big thing when it comes to um the witches here is i see a lot of them do integrate um magical works and rituals into their activism but at the same time that's just one part of what they do it's a lot of us will also will go to the phones we'll notify people on social media of stuff that's coming up um protesting that's another big factor it's not just armchair witchcraft activism there's a lot of it's it's just one tool we have in our tool belt for dealing with the situation around us which makes i mean it makes sense i mean I mean, I can't, I, I mean, you're not going to see a coven of witches at a protest, like chanting spells or anything, of course, but I mean, it's the, it's more of like the mental idea of it, right? Like the mental idea of projecting the, it out into the world, what you want to happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's projecting it out into the world and then taking action on top of what you're projecting out mentally. Which, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, hopefully it works because the United States is pretty fucked right now. So as as is the world. The world is pretty fucked right now. I'm not gonna I mean let's up. let's Turkey and Syria with the earthquake. I mean they're in a they're in a dire strait as well. Um the Ukraine, another mm. big issue. It's not just the United States. I mean we're the United States is more front and center to us because we live here, but there's a lot of other things that are going on in the world that are challenging. Though from my 
from a paranormal paranormal standpoint, the UFO, the United States is doing pretty good right now with shooting down UFOs. So, yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's kind of a new development in the last week or so, and I haven't heard that much about it because I'm pretty sure that the Men in Black swoop in as soon as it happens, and wherever they shoot down, they grab and take. But because I haven't heard about anybody finding anything, but I could be missing things. Quite possible. I mean, they could be weather balloons with sensors on them. They could be UFOs. So, if they were UFOs shot down at this low of low of altitude, yeah, that would be I something. Mean, yeah, it, it would be. And I mean, as I saw someone post on Facebook today, if this is our, if, if it really is aliens coming down here, then we're not saying a good message. <laughs> yeah, we're making ourselves look like some damn rednecks with shotguns. That's all we're doing. But. It's sad. It really is. It's just, uh, I'd be the person, like an independent stand top of the building with a sign like, take me, take me, <laughs> get me off this damn planet. But anyway, so what is your advice to any of the younglings out there who want to take upon the, the path of witchcraft or Wicca and try to embrace it themselves? What, um, what are the do's and don'ts for them? Okay, so first off, understand your why um, on that one, whether it's if you're looking for, if you're looking to hex your ex or hex anyone else out there, this is probably not the thing for you. This is, if that's your first reason why you want to jump in is to cause harm or to inflict vengeance, you may need to take a step back. I would recommend journaling, talking to family, friends, therapy, those sorts of things to deal with that internal wound. Because this path is not for the faint of heart. Um, there is a lot of transformation that happens. Whether you like it or not, going through and the studies with this does change you. And what I mean is that you go through and as you're doing more and more work, it's not just outward magic. You're looking inside. You're working on healing your wounds from your childhood, all your various traumas. Those things come up and you have to, to work through it. And it's an, a lifelong task on that one. So if you're not open to that, then I would, I would steer clear on that one. Um, beyond that, um, beyond the, the inner working thing, um, be open to new information. Also be open to looking at what has been done before, looking at traditional sources. Granted, some of them are a little bit problematic because they were written at a time frame where people weren't aware of a lot of social issues, um, but they are still good. It's still good material to look at and understand how different beliefs have progressed through um, the centuries prior to the last couple hundred years to now. So those are the big things, the inner work, research, and Except both new, new, new as well as older sources. Very well put, I think. And is there actually like a place that I got or a website these these younglings can go to to learn more about it or anything? Like, is there an inform informative website that like a group of witches have or Wiccans have put together to try to help people? Thing with Wicca is it's. Um, decentralized. There's not really a overall governing body or group on that one. Uh, if you're looking for resources that are out there to understand just the practice in general, 
on a, on a very high level, I would recommend Psychic Witch by Matt Oren as like a starting book to understand like the basis, basics of the craft in and of itself. Uh, if you want to look at specific traditions, then just typing in that tradition's name in Google, you'll find a lot of information that's out there. Um, there is a writer out there, Thorn Mooney, Thorn with an E, Mooney, who has written books about traditional Wicca or Gardnerian Wicca. So, and she's a more contemporary writer. So it's really thin books, um, but they're packed with a lot of info. If you're curious about like, well, what does Wicca entail? Or what about the various branches of Wicca? How do I even get, um, how do I even start looking for a coven to join? Those sorts of things. Her books, I would say, are, are a good starting point for that. Mm, nice. I'll have to, I've heard that name before, though. The Thorn name. I know I've heard that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I never really looked into it, but I know I've heard that name somewhere. That's interesting. Synchronization. Gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's kind of jump over to your other, I, well, I would say profession, but let's say your other, the other half of you. The, so, what is it like being a tarot card reader to you? Because I always like to find this out because everybody has different mm -hmm. answers. So I, I liken it to being a bartender in that I get people to open up and all I'm really doing with the cards, so the car, the tarot cards themselves, I believe the right cards show up at the right place at the right time. And part of the job of the tarot card reader is to be able to discern what those cards mean and to relay that in a way for the person across from you on the table to be able to understand. Now for me, because of my psychic abilities, I'll put the cards out there. I already have the book knowledge of what the cards mean and the different patterns I see, but sometimes I will get more than what's there and I will share that with the client as well. But a lot of it is I share these tidbits to get them to mentally process what's going on in their life so that they can make the change. Because I can give them every piece of detail out there on their boyfriend or the partner, what they're doing, or what's going on with this interview, or all these different things that are going on that they're concerned about. But until it sinks into their head that they have the power to affect those situations, all the things I share are going to mean nothing. Yeah, which I mean, of course, if it's like going to see a it's like going to see a therapist and oh, yeah. not, and you're not and you're not willing to hear what they're saying like you're just going to try to blame everybody else for your problems and not actually look inward it's the same mm -hmm. it's, a, it's the same mindset it's like you have to be willing to look inside you before you can look outward for issues yeah and, exactly which is why therapy didn't work for me for all my teenage years but that's i figured that out later on because <laughs> therapy doesn't yeah it didn't do nothing for me in my teenage years but as i got older i realized you weren't trying, you idiot. You just weren't trying to get the help. <laughs> but, but another question I like to ask tarot card readers: What, like, are the most common questions you get from people about? Like, I mean, I'm assume I'm assuming I know what most of the answers are going to be on this, but I'm always like, it's always one of those things I wonder. Like the most common questions I get. Like the most, like yeah, like the most common questions you get, All like right. topic wise. So topic-wise, they're going to fall into one of two categories. I mean, sometimes we'll get more, but these are the two main ones. Romance and work, or mm -hmm. relationships in general and work. 
Work's usually like, my job sucks, my boss hates me, all this other stuff. Am I going to get fired? Like those sorts of things. And it's like, well, you're giving me all the red flags of what's going on. And I don't know if I need the cards for this, from everything that you're saying, but I'll go, I'll go ahead and do this. Um, so at that point, it ends up being like half, part tarot card reading, part coaxing them to realize from themselves different things. On the romance side, it falls into one of three categories. One being someone is new and a little insecure in their relationship. So they want to check in. They want to see just because. And it, what it really comes down to is they're afraid of something going on. Nothing's happened in the relationship in and of itself. But it's their own insecurities that are popping up. Um, the next group I would say is where there's a genuine issue. There is something that's gone on that they have observed and they're rightfully concerned about the relationship and they are looking for guidance on what to do next. The third group are those where the breakup has already happened. The relationship has ended sometimes two years after, like prior to meeting me, they, it has ended it is like stale and they're asking, when is this person going to get back or a subset of that is how does that person feel about how they hurt me? Do they regret what they've done? And at that point, it's no longer about the relationship or anything else. It's about how that person has been hurt yeah. and how they're relying on something outside of them for their own healing, mainly an apology that may or may never happen. Yeah. They're clinging on to that rope that, and that rope is breaking strand by strand and they can't seem to climb back up even as it's about to snap mm -hmm. like yeah i mean i've i've been there it's not a fun place to be yeah. i never i never went to get a reading or anything for it but i just kind of drank and smoked my way through it but eventually you do heal from those it just takes a little while longer and some parts you may not heal ever but i mean it's mm -hmm. just you gotta learn to self-medicate with that kind of <laughs> Or, or find the so find someone who makes you happy. That's mm -hmm. what it is. You, you gotta find the next person that'll make you happy and put all your effort towards them, and then you'll eventually forget about the past. Yeah, and, or even just simply having like the ability of being more self-aware helps. Like to go back to the case of those who ask about their ex, ask if their ex feels bad about what happened, ask or ask if their ex is going to apologize to them at some point. What that comes down to is the core belief of I am worthy of love, something happened to that person in the past where that belief got squashed or hindered um, to the point where they're seeking outside. They need that outside validation to believe that they're worthy of love. So finding out that someone else, someone who hurt them feels bad about it. Well, of course they should feel bad about it because that part, they, they hurt someone who was worthy of love and gave pain in it anger and whatnot instead or the apology is this form of validation that the person's worthy of love without those that person because of how the light their life events their internal dial or their internal like loop that's going on is i'm not worthy of love until this thing happens i can't fix that myself but i can draw attention to it so that the person can either work on it themselves or they can find help so that they can work on it. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of like me with my wife. Like she had been cheated on by past 
boyfriend so many times that like instantly she assumes if I don't talk to her for a certain amount of time that I'm cheating on her. I'm like, and I would come back and be like, excuse me, what? Like, you're going to assume that just because I got busy for a couple hours? Like, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. that's unhealthy. But <laughs> it's just like, I mean, we work through it, obviously, because we're now married. But still, mm -hmm. like, it's just one of those things like that, that, that type of person who just they get hurt so bad that they assume everything, every relationship should be the same after that, after that point. So, yeah. But, but in the last few minutes we got here, I want to hear about your podcast. Please. Sure. <laughs> okay. So I started this back in December of last year. So we just finished episode number nine. We're coming on episode number 10 at Spiritual AF Sundays. So the idea here is talking about various spiritual topics, um, especially the ones that get touched upon on a very high level on social media or where you get like the social media firestorm and that, but no one actually takes the time to go into the nuance. Or the nuance gets buried because people are like at each other. I was actually going to do um, an episode on the video game that shall not be named. But and the implication of both sides in their reactions, because the reactions are what fascinate me on this. But then I realized that. There, people are already at each other's throats on this. Having someone go on the meta level to critique it probably would not be well received just yet. So instead, I went and um, I went and talked about The Last of Us and our fascination, our growing fascination with post-apocalyptic and zombie movies, especially amidst the pandemic. So we have that. Um, I did. I'm doing them on the various. Um, sabbats or fire festivals as it were within uh the wicca tradition i have people who are coming on to talk about various beliefs one went on a pilgrimage another's a polymath who's on, who's studying human spiritual evolution uh, we have others who can identify as light workers which are people who work um, with the healing aspects of spirituality and we have others as well i'm trying to hunt down someone to um, who is a video game player to say, hey, do you want to talk about the implications of playing a character that's evil? Because there's morally, <laughs> there's games out there like Bioshock and Dragon Age um, and Mass Effect where you can play an evil character. And I want to talk about the spiritual implications of that. So all sorts of fun topics. Well, I mean, while they here, because I am, <laughs> I tend to, I tend to choose the dark side in every Star Wars game. But, and I mean, I don't know. I just, yeah. You you have better powers in every game when you're a bad guy. It's just, they they. Oh my they, gosh! Like they, it's they it it that way. so obvious in the Bioshock series. It's like okay, you go. You have the little girl with the little with the power slug in it. If you rescue her, you get the small amount. If you extract the bug in a lethal manner, you get this amount. Um, vampire with a Y, same thing when it comes to harvesting blood for your yep. vampire character. And it's like being good is so hard. And I, at I, the same uh, time, we we cringe at the evil side. I killed everybody in that game. <laughs> I just killed everybody in that game, basically, and drank oh their blood gosh. for power. I just, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, basically, it's like this game that shall not be named that we talked about earlier. Like they give you the option. Do you want to learn the dark spells or no? Yeah, and it's like, that's... It's like, who wouldn't? 
Yeah, I've been exactly. Say, I've been saying for 20 freaking years they need to make an open world RPG based on this book series where you can go around and cast a Vada Kavada everybody. Like that's why I always wanted. I mean, yeah. it's, not even, it's not even to be evil. It's just how cool would it be if you could say two words and someone dies? Like it'd mm-hmm. be like I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm younger me said this. Me now, I mean, I would need a little more implication for that. I mean, yeah, tr- show me a criminal who has, re- has done really bad things to really innocent people, and meh, it's a toss up. But yeah, and actually, the reason why I was going that route was because of some of the things I've heard about the game that shall not be named, and like people be like, "Oh my gosh, you can pl- do all these evil things." I'm like. But does that really make you evil? Or does that really make a bad person? Or are we going back to the days of the 1980s satanic panic at D&D? Are people freaking out over Grand Theft Auto and all the stuff that you could do there? It's like, okay. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with that. So I wanted to bring up on a video game nerd to talk about that whole topic. And I think I just got a message from them. So I'm excited. Just like, when can I schedule you in? So, (laughs) and then I I look at what's on, goes on on Twitter or TikTok and various spaces. I'm like, do I even want to touch this with an episode? I'll wait to the three months before it cools off. Uh, honestly, if I was you, I would touch it now and hashtag the crap out of it, and you yeah. will get it'll get you listens. But personally, I mean, if I had a video game podcast, I would be all over this in a sec- or any podcast I could relate to this, I'd be all over in a second. But the paranormal doesn't really branch into uh, the game that should not be named too much, at least. I mean, besides some trolls, but yeah, which are fun to kill. I mean, they're trolls, so I don't feel bad, but <laughs> they're trying to kill me, so I mean, it's it works, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. See, I, I'm one of those guys on Facebook that's out there defending it. Like, it's a, it's one of the most amazing things ever created in the last five years in video games. Like, why are you mad at it? Forget the person who wrote the series and the horrible things she said about people. Like, she has nothing to do with this game. Nothing. It's mm-hmm. just her. They got the license. That's all they got from her. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. People are so engrossed in their beliefs and feelings. I just accept no one's changed. If I say anything, it's not going to change anyone's mind. Oh, so exactly. I just like back away, let people be mad. They need an outlet. The world is on fire. And metaphorically, literally, people need something to lash out against. Like 1984, the two minutes hate. That's the whole. So that's a 1984 is a George Orwell book that looks at um, Oceania, whatever the name is. And it's this world that's fallen into this authoritarian state. But one of the things that comes up is that people vent their anger at this target, which you find out later is a fictional target, but it's a target out there. And it was just like this two minutes of rage. And even though it's considered to be voluntary, People, once you get in, you're you're hooked on it. That's the big thing on it. And I feel like this, what's going on with J.K. Rowling, yes, she has said some pretty shitty things. Yes, she has funded things that are questionable. Yes, there's concerns that continuing to support her games provides her with additional legitimacy. Does it, though? Yeah, that's the, if, that's where we start looking at where humanity where we're as individuals we're both make a huge impact but we're also insignificant we have, it's that paradox but it's like if they feel like if they can get enough people to 
like hate it that something will happen or at least if you performatively hate the game then you're showing yourself to be a good ally which i don't believe is the case it's like you're just doing it to prevent other people from hating you that's not really a good reason i mean at the end of the day i'm playing the game because i don't give a crap what people think and it's an amazing game and i've been waiting for it for like three years because when they first when they first advertised it like three years ago but i admit it it looks it looks like a gorgeous game and i really want to play a chaotic hufflepuff yeah i I mean they they let you choose what house you're going to and i the house that came up first is Gryffindor, and I'm like, yeah, that, that, that it feels right. I mean, I want to be a Slytherin, but it feels right. <laughs> yeah. Well, from what I heard of the game, you have the it's like you can do multiple playthroughs, so you can play Gryffindor in first, and then Slytherin ah, another time. I'm already like 50 hours in, and I'm nowhere close to finishing the game. I do not see myself doing a second playthrough of this game. Oh my gosh, 50 hours already! Wow. Uh I happened to get unemployed literally two days after this game came out. So, oh wow! Actually, no, actually, I'm sorry. Like four, like actually, literally, like literally a week before this game came out, I was actually playing GTA Three Remaster, speaking of GTA, before, <laughs> before waiting for this game to come out, and even playing some Kingdom Hearts One Remaster, waiting for this game to come out because it's just, and I beat the last game I was playing. And I'm like, I got nothing to do when Harry Potter comes out in like four days. Like, I'm not gonna start a new game when this is coming out because this is gonna be the game I want to play. I already know it, but I mean. Yeah, uh, the whole Satanic Panic thing and like the whole GTA beacon hate on the yeah. late 90s. It's ridiculous because it's, yeah, I grew up playing GTA. I'm not out there running over hookers. Like, like that's literally, that literally was the argument they had when that game came out. It was like, it's teaching kids that it's okay to kill hookers and run over people. And I'm like, really? Because I didn't grow up and go to do that. I mean, I don't feel like going to jail for running over someone so, so over my car. <laughs> like, what do they think? Like, I don't know. Ugh society i don't get it never got yeah. it never never will <laughs> we have way too much free time on our hands first world country we yeah, have way too much free time on our hands if we um if we didn't if we weren't in such a position of privilege with like abundance and wealth and even in our hardships we're so wealthy compared to other nations oh god yeah i mean yeah it's like even the poorest among us if you look at other areas, third world countries, whatnot, we have a lot. And I think it's because we have a lot that we feel entitled to voice our opinions on a lot of issues and feel like our stance on it, our being whoever's there, um, that stance on it is the correct stance on it when, without acknowledging maybe it's a little Eurocentric or American-centric mm-hmm. in those beliefs because – I have friends around the world with various political beliefs relative to their own spots. So labels that fit here don't necessarily mean labels that fit elsewhere. Of course. And it's like, it's interesting learning about America through the eyes of someone who doesn't live in America. Of course. Yeah, it is. I mean, I have a lot of podcast friends that are British and like, like we we give we give each other shit all the time about it. I'm like, like one of them was hating on one of them was hating on Marvel the other day, and I'm like, do not make me come over there and start the revolutionary war all over again. Do not. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, they, I mean, even the British view us as like bloody colonists still. <laughs> like it's, it's basically the, that's basically how they feel. Like we're just still the bloody colonists that we're we're the we're the pets that they let get away that started their own nation instead and when they tried to reclaim it we just 
became a horrible country eventually because of it. But I mean, yeah, we've always had privilege. That's the issue. I mean, since mm-hmm. the ni- since the early 1900s. But I mean, it goes that goes back to J.K. Rowling though, because she was homeless when she wrote this book series. Yeah, and I mean. The, the fact that she could do that speaks so much for this world, like that she could go from being homeless to being a billionaire because she had a great mind. I mean, I watched the documentary about like where she got the ideas from about her friends and stuff. And like, it's brilliant how she came up with all this and the depth that she came up with with all this, like Pottermore, like the universe of it all. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. It's insane how she came up with all this. And it's just funny that we're talking literally a week after this game came out. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I, I, well, if we've tangented, I'm cool with having this tangent. I totally did not plan that happening, listeners, but it just happened that way. And I am 50 hours deep in this game because I'm unemployed currently for the last two weeks. So yeah. it just, and I got nothing better to do than apply for jobs in the morning and then play this game for until my kids go home mm-hmm. from school. But it's just, ugh. it's such a good game. Oh my God. It's like it's a gorgeous game. I will say that it is I, a gorgeous game. Uh, it's gorgeous. The I mean, people are saying there's anti-Semitic themes in it. I kind of can see that, but I mean, I mean, eh. the goblin trope has universally been anti-Semitic. It's yeah. that, and I can I can see that. And then there's that one. There, I know I keep seeing on social media about the one artifact, the go- goblin artifact, and finding analogs to Jewish lore on the on this thing. It's like some sort of de- decorated horn or whatnot that has gorgonzola cheese in it in the game. And the date in pot- in the Harry Potter game uh, that it was used or that's uh, tied to it is a date in Jewish history um, mm. on there. And it's supposed to like the horn supposed to look very similar to a Jewish horn or, or tool that they have. And I'm like, okay, this is, yeah. I might not, I might not got to that part yet, honestly. I don't, I'm not recalling any kind of horn, but yeah, it might be later. It might be a hidden object. I'm not sure. I just keep seeing having people post about it. Because uh, of course, if one person finds it, then get reposted like crazy. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, it's yeah. people look. Um, people look for symbols, and they might be they may have been done innocently, or someone did not go and go through the Anti Defamation League website with a fine tooth comb on something, and uh, then next thing you know, it leads to an outrage. Um, I mean, well, I, I mean, I will say, like, yeah. it's, um, what do you call it? Well, I mean, I saw a post on Facebook today about it. Like, I saw a video on it. Like, Rihanna at the Super Bowl halftime show, wearing all red, <laughs> wearing all red doing the Illuminati symbol at one point. And yeah. some Sam Smith or whatever his name is at the freaking Grammy doing the same thing in all red. Like, they people look for things where they mm-hmm. really, like, there probably is nothing to do with anything Illuminati-based out of these two rap acts but i mean could be could be could be could be i am a firm believer that there's illuminati and there are people controlling our world i am a firm believer in that but it's just i i don't like to look for little things everywhere that lead to it like there's big signs out there that lead to it and that's what you need to focus on not the little things yeah and i i see it too within the gaming industry that um people actively look for the dog whistles the signs of hate speech, anti-Semitism, those sorts of things that are like baked into something or hidden from the casual onlooker. So then you start, You on one hand, yes, this there is the potential of it. I will flat out say there is that, but always going to be that potential. But sometimes it's like you're looking for ghosts that aren't there. 
or looking for something that's not really there. And you're pulling at straws and trying to like build an argument of this is bad because of this one thing that is random. A um, couple years ago, uh, so Vampire the Masquerade is this tabletop game that's been around for who knows how long. Um, in the process of developing V version five or V5, they went through and they had in the book an example dice roll. Now they use 10 sided dice. And usually the style guide is if you're going to do a sample dice roll, you put the result in numeric order. They rolled a one, a four, an eight, and an eight. So they wrote that it was like 1488. Now, some people might look at the one, four, like a die rolls of one, four, eight, eight, and think, okay, nothing of it. Others see the, the Nazi symbols in there, the 14 words and eight, eight being HH or Heil Hitler. And the people who write for the games, they were like, what the fuck when people call that out? They're like, it had not dawned on them what this was. It wouldn't have dawned on me either. I, yeah. I, I, as you're explaining, I'm like, that's pulling at fucking threads. Like, that's pulling at threads to put that together. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, 1488. I'm trying to think about history. I'm like, did anything happen in 1488? Is that important? Yeah, <laughs> like, that was what I was trying to figure out, too. And then it got explained. Uh, or the whole concept, going back to the whole idea of the ethics of playing an evil character because vampire the masquerade is an analog to the real world through the quote-unquote world of darkness um one of the concepts that was written up in version five is a nazi bruja bruja being one of the, the vampire clans that they have there yeah. the thought that nazism exists to the point where it was actually being written about as a gaming concept brought a lot of outrage so have these people never played any of the army games where you can kill undead nazi zombies like <laughs> there's a difference between killing nazi nazi zombies or having it as a potential uh, character concept for a player to either play on their own or for the story runner to have as a character that they could interact with. That was what I mean, got a lot of attention. I mean, if you watch Fantastic Beasts movies, Grindelwald is basically Wizard Hitler. That's basically what he is. That's basically what Voldemort is. Like the, every bad guy in J.K. Rowling's universe is basically a Wizard Hitler because they want to. It's all about pure blood. Like that's what mm -hmm. even even in this game, it's what it's about to some degree. Like I mean, there's mentions of it a lot, and like. No, this isn't really a spoiler because everybody should know it. Because it's actually they talk about it in all the books. Mm -hmm. Um, what's his name? Black. Um, serious? Yeah. No, not his serious. Father, the, the, their father. Um, why can't I never think of his name? Phil Phileas or Nigelus? What the hell is his name? Phineas Black. Phineas Black. Serious Black's father is the headmaster of Hogwarts in the game. Because the game takes place in the 1890s, and according to what the book lore says, that was when he was, yeah, Phineas mm -hmm. Nigel Black. That's his name. Like, like, and they and they talk about in the books when they're at the Black's estate, like how bad a person he was, mm -hmm. and like so, like, but people are like, he literally is the worst headmaster ever, and he's a dick in the game. Like, it's mm -hmm. funny because at one point you get to drink Polyjuice Potion and be him. And you get to choose conversations with people <laughs> as you're him, and like you can make you can make him sound like the biggest dumbass or the biggest like dick in the world. Like it's hilarious. Like I had so much fun with that scene. I just played it yesterday. I had so much fun with that scene because <laughs> it's just like you meet all your friends and the teachers that you know, and it's just like 
everybody knows he's an asshole and like you get to go up to like that like these people and, and like give them what they want like and he's a, i'm waiting for it to come back in the game and he's gonna be like i did what <laughs> but, <laughs> but i mean it's just and it's funny because you actually find a letter in his office where it mentions serious but as a, as a child wow yeah uh, i mean if you're if you're a pottermore fan this game has a lot of little easter eggs about the future and there actually is a professor named Professor Weasley. Whether there's ties to the actual family has not been determined yet. But but there actually is a professor named Professor Weasley. Hmm. It's I and they they tell you that right. It's in the first like two hours of the game. Like so, I mean, I'm not giving away spoilers by any means. But it's just I'm waiting to find the ties to the family. That's what I'm waiting for. So it's 1890. That's 100 years later that the books take place. So I don't know if it's going to show up or not. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just. There's a lot of little Easter eggs. It's a, it's a yeah. It's enemies, but I have to finish. I have to finish it by April because that's when Jedi Survivor comes out. So you know, <laughs> priorities. Yeah. Oh, priorities. I mean, yeah. And I know we've gone on a tangent with the whole J.K. Rowling and with uh, the Harry Potter games. Since we're actually going to just kind of call it out now, but I feel that does tie into maybe not just witchcraft, but more like the ethos side of it of understanding our. It's like understanding the impact of we, or that we have in the world or the potential lack of impact we have. Whether it's like if some people believe that but that they need to not play the game in order to be able to take a stand and make a better world, that's on them. If others believe that they involving themselves in the game, playing the game is not going to have an impact, that's on them as well. It's people, it's like live and let live. Now if people are going off and actually causing genuine harm to other people that's when we take a stand but things like playing a game yeah yeah i mean if if someone is going out there and performing anti-semitic acts of terror and calling, yeah. and, and, and calling them goblins in the process then maybe we could see a little bit of a tangent but that's mm-hmm. like that's like blaming columbine on Marilyn manson just because his cds were in the kids room Come on now. It's you're pulling at threads and you're looking for something to blame and something to hate. That's all people are doing. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to play the game, don't play the game. But I'm telling you right now, you ain't gonna affect nothing because mm-hmm. the game has already sold billions of dollars worth of copies. Like yeah. it's you're not gonna affect nothing. The money's already been made. They paid everybody already. And yeah, the people that made it are are celebrating the great job they did. And I hope they're making DLCs right now for it. I really do. Because <laughs> Oof, I mean, you're a fifth year in this game, as far as I know. You don't go beyond that. I mean, I'm at the end of the game, so I could be completely off. But still, I mean, it's be nice to have DLCs where you're in sixth and seventh year. Just saying. Which leads to a sequel eventually, hopefully. I'm just putting it out there in the universe to come about true. Who knows? I keep seeing sales numbers for it. I've been following that because I'm curious. So it's like, all right, well... This is becoming one of the most popular games, at least on the, the Steam side, when it comes to downloads or number of concurrent people playing. So it sounds like it's a successful game oh, from that regard. And I would not be surprised if more comes from this. I wouldn't be either because I've been I've been saying for 20 years they need to make this game. It just took them 20 years to do it. So yeah. since I read the since I read the freaking books in middle school and high school, I've been saying these books need to they, they need to be turned into an open world game, even before open world games were a real thing. So mm-hmm. but I mean it's just uh, when dream see, I put it out in the universe 20 years ago. It took 20 years, but it came true finally. Like 
I, I should have. I should, oh. Well, if we had, if they had like made it 20 years ago when you like put it out in the universe, we'd be having Final Fantasy VII, the original game graphics. True. Yeah. yeah. It, it, the it, little, it, the, the cube people version. As someone who was playing, who was playing GTA 3 remaster a week ago, the graphics are almost unbearable, even in the remaster of GTA 3 compared to what we have nowadays. So, yeah. Like, I, I used to think the freaking girls in that game were hot when I was a freaking kid. And now I look at them and I'm like, what was I thinking? They're not even, they don't even look like women. They look like, they look like drawings of, I don't even know what. <laughs> like, they don't look like anything. They look like stick people. That's basically they look like stick people. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Like, it's just, it was an eye opener to turn that game on for the first time in like 20 years and be like, this is remastered? What? Like this isn't the remastered, <laughs> but reminds me of looking at Final Fantasy VII the remaster versus the original. And then when I saw the original, I'm like this is the game where all the all the people had the hots for Sephiroth, like this little bubble dude. I'm like, wow, there's I, I, a lot of fan art had to be generated to get uh, to that point. Well, as a Kingdom Hearts fan, I could see where that came from later on, but because <laughs> <laughs> Sephiroth is in Kingdom Hearts three, but but oh god. Can't wait to play that. I want to. I can't wait to get to that point. But uh, Kingdom Hearts Three was so amazing. I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> Somehow but, we turned this into a video game podcast, and I'm all for it. <laughs> well, when you're talking to someone who calls himself the Mystic Geek, you gotta assume <laughs> video games are gonna be in the talk somewhere. Oh yeah, I mean, just saying. And my listeners all know I'm a huge nerd. I think I dropped a couple things about Hogwarts Legacy last last episode too. So <laughs> it's just. I always bring into the conversation what I'm doing in my what I'm doing in my own free time as well. And it kind of sometimes matches, sometimes it's just like a complete tangent, but this time it actually worked. So and you can't talk about witchcraft without talking about the biggest witchcraft game to come out ever. Mm-hmm. Literally. I mean, I like that you brought up Vampire. That's a that's a very little known game that uh I put I love that. But you were talking about the actual video game, right? Not the tabletop version originally. Yeah, the the video game version. Okay. With the sexy and one that uh, was set during the Spanish flu. Yeah, with the sexy guy on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the irony was I started playing that game in February of 2020. I me, had to stop. Me too. I had to uh, stop a month later. Me too. Oh, I didn't. I didn't have to stop, but it was just. What I mean, the Spanish flu really did happen a hundred years before COVID. So yeah, the world works in cycles. But yeah, that's another part on that. It's like what happened before will happen again. But I mean, that game, oh, that game was so that game was fun. It was just and just, but it, then you kill people you shouldn't have killed, and you can't do certain quests. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, come on, like they shouldn't design it like that. You shouldn't be able to kill people you you need. But whatever, it is what it is. But before my wife kills me for being not, <laughs> I was about to so say long, <laughs> we've been going for a while nerding out about video games. <laughs> yeah, before my wife kills me for podcasting forever. Why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you, where they can find your podcast? Just promote yourself to the fullest. Sure. So you can find me at themysticgeek.com. The Mystic Geek on most social media platforms. They'll either be straight one word, The Mystic Geek, or Instagram and on Pinterest. You have to put underscores under like the underscore mystic underscore geek because someone got there first. Same with YouTube on that one. Um, Spiritual AF Sundays, you can find either on my website, mysticgeek.com, or spiritualafsundays.com, because I went and got the domain name, because I'm smart like that. (laughs) So either way, 
Um, and then Spiritual AF Sundays you can find on most of podcasting platforms as well as on my YouTube channel. Which, of course, we'll, I'll have links for all that in the description of this podcast as well when it drops. And when I, I put all my episodes on YouTube, so I'll, you'll be tagged right in the title of that one. So awesome. make it click and go. But thank you for coming on. It's been an amazing episode. Mm-hmm. I've been excited about this one for a while, and I was right to be excited. See, I'm never wrong, universe. Well, about podcasting. You hear yeah. that? Jeremy's never wrong. <laughs> you ask my wife, you make a different story. But, um... <laughs> But all my listeners know you could find me on Facebook as Paranormal the New Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings podcast for the S Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter and the gram as at Juggalo Bastard. You can find me on TikTok as at Juggalo Bastard Podcast. And you can find me on YouTube as Paranormal the New Normal, where this episode is currently streaming. Whether anybody's watching on YouTube right now is a big fat negative, but it and they, they'll watch eventually. They always do. Yeah. But thank you again. Jessica for being on. It's been an amazing episode and I cannot wait to put this out. But and all my listeners and watchers, thank you guys. I'll see my listeners in half a week. To my watchers, I have another interview tomorrow night. So I'll see you then.